Hey everybody, I'm so glad you tuned in today to the Brian Gallardo podcast and I'm, of course, Pastor Brian Gallardo and I'm so thankful that I get to be able to help you and communicate on this platform. I'm going to be talking today about spiritual sons and the importance of them in the life of a spiritual father, but I don't want you to misconstrue any of my words. I think it's very important for both the fathers to be loyal and for the sons to be loyal. If you look at the story that we're going to talk about here in a few moments, it was just as important for Joshua to be in the story as it was to Moses. We don't want to ever communicate or make it look like that the only ones important in a ministry are the spiritual fathers or the senior leaders because we can't do as senior leaders what we do if the sons aren't in proper place. And it's our job as senior leaders to empower the sons to be victorious in all they do. You'll notice in the story that Joshua was the one who fought and Joshua was the one who won. I as a father and any real true spiritual father has one motive in mind and that's that their sons go further than them and become greater in the kingdom than they do. I know that's my heart. I want to encourage you, like, subscribe, comment below, and let's enjoy this podcast together. Let's flip real quickly to Exodus chapter 17 and uh, I want to read verse 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. And, uh, if you don't have a Bible, no worries. If you do, just turn there with me because uh, I want you to see this too with your own eyes. <clears throat> so I want to talk to you this morning along the lines of sonship. And when I say sonship, I, of course, you guys all know that I mean sons and daughters. It's not really a sexual uh, gender word specific. Um, it just means those who are sons and daughters. Um, Exodus 17 verse 8 through 13. And the Bible says this, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff and God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone put it under him, and sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up high, uh, one, on this, one on one side and the one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites uh, with the sword that day. Um, let's, let's pray real quick because I want the Lord to help me to communicate this the best way possible. Father, I thank you for the word. And I pray that you just help me to communicate what you've given me to these amazing people that you've placed in my life as sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that the word would be clear, that it would be to the point, and that you would bless it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 So one of the things I want you to see here in verse number 12 is that the Bible said, as Aaron and Hur lifted up his hands, that his hands remained steady until sunset. So in this story, you've got three types of people. You've got, you have a father, Moses. You have sons, Joshua, Aaron, and Hur, and then you have the group, the, the burden bearers, those who are actually fighting. Um, this shows us then that fathers carry the mantle, um, fathers give the orders, fathers, but, but fathers also become weary, and they need somebody to come along and steady their hand. Uh, sons do not bear the vision of the father, they bear the strength of the father. Now, this is something God gave me. It's really, it's really powerful how he gave it to me, specifically how he worded it. And I want you to really take self-notice, guys, as you serve in the house to this statement I'm about to make. It is never the purpose for the sons to carry the vision of the church. Now, that's the antithesis of everything you've ever heard, right? 
It's not the purpose of the sons to carry the vision of the church. It's always the purpose for the sons to carry the arms of their father. It's never the purpose for the sons to carry the vision of a church. It's always the purpose of the sons to carry the arms of his father. As you carry me, I carry the vision. Does that make sense? The moment you stop carrying me is the moment I get weary and the moment that the vision gets weak. The moment your task here becomes a burden to you is the moment you've let go of my arms. If what you're doing right now in ministry as a son and daughter to this house is a task, is a burden, is no longer a joy, you've let go, you've let go of my arms a long time ago. Wow. Because it's not your job for this place to be a burden to you. That's my job. Wow. My job is to do the warring. My job is to do the lifting. My job is, yeah. is to, to perform what God has given me to perform with the staff that's in my hand. But as sons and daughters, man, this is some of the greatest revelation I've ever heard. It's not me as Holy Ghost. I give him all the credit. Um, those, those then who went out that weren't lifting up their father's arms fought in the war. And guess what happened to them? They became casualties. What if they would have all just rallied around what God told them to do with Moses and lifted up the arms of the man of God and, and supported the visionary? So those who fought are those who died. Those who lifted are those who lived. Would you rather be a dying son? Our living son. Because those who let the vision become weary to them uh, and become a burden to them, they're the ones that died. Um, so the question then comes up now, what would have happened if Aaron and her did not support the arms of Moses? The answer to that would be his hands would have never been steady. Steadiness speaks of calmness. The antithesis of steady, let me, let me impart this in here, insert this in here. The antithesis of steady then would be anxiety, would be worry. The moment that you as a son and daughter, I, I can feel when the arms aren't being lifted by people on, on our team. The moment you're so consumed with what you're doing in your ministry and your purpose at LifeGate Church, my hands become unsteady. You can ask my wife. It keeps me up at night. It, it, it vexes my soul. Uh, when, when me as a father know people that should be there, maybe they're physically, but aren't there mentally and spiritually. Yeah. My hands grow weak and are no longer steady. Um, the biggest lesson I have learned in ministry that I have, I've, I've started to slowly, I'm doing it very slowly. I've come around the corner slowly. Uh, the biggest lesson I have learned about ministry is it's painful. Yeah. I, I've learned now I can't trust quickly. But I can love quickly. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, love doesn't cost anything, but trust costs everything. Yeah. Well, and I'm at a point in ministry now where I don't trust everybody. Now I'm not talking about it here. I don't trust everybody. And I'm not giving somebody my trust immediately anymore. Yeah. Trust has, you have to earn that. Come on, talk to me. Everybody, we know this relationally. Yeah. So there, there in this story was only one father. His name was Moses. Aaron and her were not spiritual fathers, neither was Joshua, until Moses put hands on him and released him to be in front of the people. Yeah. So in a ministry or in a church, they're not, they're, there isn't multiple fathers. There's one father. Yeah. There's one spiritual mother mm -hmm. who releases that idea and agenda in the church. And the sons and daughters then come alongside and lift up the hands of that man or woman of God so their vision can be strengthened and strong and steady. 
So I want to give you seven signs today of a true son and daughter. Seven signs of a true son and daughter. Number one, there's resemblance. John 14, 9 says this, He that hath seen me has also seen the Father. Jesus didn't look like Jesus. Jesus resembled his Father. Resemblance then in ministry when you're serving as a son or daughter, resemblance is the telltale sign that you are a son or a father. My daughter, you guys know Olivia, she acts just like me. Y'all know that. She resembles me. She talks like me. She thinks like me. In some ways, she's wired like me, not always, because she's wired like her mama, too, in, in some degrees. Um, she, people look at her and say, I can't tell who she likes. She kind of looks like both of y'all put together. She's our, she resembles us. And a spiritual son then does the same thing, or a spiritual daughter. They resemble their spiritual pr- parents. They look like them. Um, they have the actions of. They have the ideas of. They have the loyalty to. Um, it's evident. It's undeniable. I, I remember when I was preaching at a conference and Mike Todd's mom was there and she came up to me and, and I didn't know who Mike Todd was at this time. And she came up to me. She said, man, you know who you sound like? I said, who she sound like? She said, you sound like a Bishop Pitts and Mike Todd, my son, put together. She said, you're silly like my son, but you preach like Bishop Pitts. She had no clue that I was, that I run with him, that he has mentored me, that he's invested, but it's resemblance. And, and uh, it's not that God wants to have clones in a church, but, but as a spiritual son or daughter, you should resemble your spiritual father. Amen? Amen. Number two, there's a uh, sonship slash daughterhood in the spirit is not a seasonal bond. It's a forever bond. Olivia like isn't going to stop being my daughter when she's 30, right? <laughs> right? She may go off to college. I hope she does. I really don't care if she goes off to college or not, to be honest. I just want her to be successful, whatever she puts her hand to. If that means she owns a business, that means she goes to college, that means she becomes a professor, whatever that means. I just want her to be successful. If she's 30 and she's got two children and lives in Florida, she's not going to cease to be my daughter. If she lives in Cape Town, South Africa, and her and her husband have a church there, that doesn't make her no longer my daughter because she's on the other side of the planet. Sonship and daughterhood is a forever bond. John 8.35 says this, A son abideth forever. Olivia will abide forever. Real sons and daughters aren't looking to go anywhere. They have a stay personality. They have a come home mentality. They don't forget who raised them. They don't forget who gave to them. They don't forget who put their hands on them. They don't forget who laid them uh, in the position that they're in for ministry. And and so, therefore, because there's a forever bond, there's there's rarely a, a season. I mean, you guys are all good about what I'm about to say. There's rarely a season when there's a rise up with a son. Sons and daughters don't rise up. They don't revolt. They they are. It's a forever thing with them. They know. This is who God set me under. I said this on Sunday. It was really good. And I'd never heard of it before I said it on Sunday. Um, we, in, in the kingdom, we always think that levels are like stair steps in the kingdom. And when, God's, when God puts you under somebody, you're never going to be as big as them. Yeah. Because if he puts you under them, you're always going to run under them. It's kind of like... You know, if, if, if even if you start ascending, you're only going to ascend so high. And the moment you think that you're above them is the moment you cease to allow yourself to receive from them as headship, as authority, as God's voice to you, or as God's gift to you. That's good, isn't it?
It's a forever bond. Number three, um, true sons and daughters do not have a trust issue. They, they trust. Real sons and daughters trust their mentor, trust their father. Real sons don't go on strike to get what they want. Can you imagine Aaron and her that day saying to Moses, I'm so sick of lifting your hands up. I'm anointed too. And if you remember back when God first called Moses, what did he say? I, I don't, I, you picked the wrong guy. Yeah. I stutter. I, I'm not qualified to do this. He was a humble guy. You know, he wasn't like abusing Aaron and her. He just knew that Moses had to be Moses, but he knew that Aaron and her had to be Aaron and her so that the greater vision can be accomplished. So Aaron and her, they, they had to have some deep trust issues with Moses. And Aaron being related to him, that's a whole other element of ministry we could talk about. I mean, they were physically blood relatives. Uh, and that That's another element. It's hard to, to do ministry with blood relatives unless God's in it. But they trusted Moses as their leader. That's why they were able to lift his arms up so high. As I've seen in my life, the more the more trust that a father sees bestowed, uh, that you bestow on them, like, like I was talking with Bishop and Pastor, because I was asking them questions as I was making these notes. And, and they both alluded to this. The more a father sees that the son is trusting them, the more the father gives unto them. The more blessing, not, not just financial, I'm talking about responsibility, um, assignment, um, authority, measure, rule, rank, mantle. The more that the father sees the son being trustworthy is the more uh, uh, that the father releases to them. Now, weary sons, quitting sons, questionable sons, what that mentality does is it pushes the father completely away. So when the father sees you as somebody he can trust in in a relationship with mentor-son, then he has more freedom to release what's on the inside of him to to you. Luke uh, 11.13 says this, Good gifts flow from the father to his sons. Jesus as a son, look at Jesus for just a minute. Jesus was a son, God's only begotten son. Look how he believed all the way through the gospels. I mean, I can pull out so many scriptures. Look how he believed in what the father sent him to do. Didn't want to do it. If this cup can pass from me, Lord, let it be. Nevertheless, not my will, father, but your will be done, father. Even if it going to the cross, giving up everything he had, he still trusted what the father told him to do. Uh, He believed his father was powerful. He believed his father was good. He sought to understand the will of his father. He trusted his father into his hands. He said, into your hands I commit my spirit. What was that all about? He was trusting his father to the end and to after it's over. Through the hell and high water and after the hell and high water. Through the pandemic of 2020 into 2021, right? Um, There was a trust there all the way to death. Number four. Um, this this is one I want to talk to you guys about. I'm going to take a little drink here of my coffee. Number four, sons honor their father. Malachi chapter number one, verse six says this. A son honors his father. In, in every church, you're going to have multiple kinds of people. You're going to have people who serve. That doesn't necessarily mean they're sons. Y'all know that, right? You have people that are employed at a church. That doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean people are sons and daughters because they're employed. Now here they are, but I mean, I've been I've I've been to a lot of different churches, and, and I've noticed that not every employee of the church is a son or daughter. Um, people who attend our church, 
any church are not sons and daughters of that house. Because a lot of church people give a lot of lip service. But sons and daughters give action. And you can really tell the difference between a son and a daughter based off what they do uh, as, as an act. And, and that's, that's an honorable thing. I mean, everyone in this room right now, you guys serve your behinds off. I mean, uh, and you don't do it for, you don't do it for any other re- reason is we're all on board running after going after what God wants us to do as a church. Like I get it. That's, that, that's, 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 I'm not saying that sons and daughters don't serve. I'm saying that just because somebody serves doesn't make them a son or daughter. In the Old Testament, ministry was really a family thing. The, the Old Testament priests were actually the children of the senior priests. I mean, look at Eli and his two sons. They were serving in the house of God. Um, um, and so I, really in, in our church, that's kind of my format too. I feel extremely comfortable when my son or daughter stands behind our pulpit in my stead. I feel completely comfortable. I don't have any worries. Not that I do with anybody else, but I'm just saying there's almost like a double assurance, you know, when, when one of my spiritual sons or daughters uh, stand to preach the word, because I know they're in it for the long haul. I know that their longevity is there. You put somebody in a pulpit that, that isn't a son or daughter, down the road there's some potential for them to injure the church, go down five miles down the road and start their own church because they have influence and they have the, vis- the visibility, the platform, and the authority. And, and I just, you know, there, there are times um, where I feel more assured when my son or daughter is in the pulpit. And um, that's really good. So as a spiritual son, uh, myself, um, and my wife, a spiritual daughter herself, um, we live by this code with our mentors and our fathers. Um, We honor them every single week. Every week we honor our mentors. How do we do that? I call call them on the phone or text them if if they're unavailable and just say, hey, we love you, we're for you. Is there anything we can do to make um, what you do better. And I, we do that almost every single week. I do that almost every week. Um, every week, I can show you my phone. We cash app them every single week. We, we, it's been, I don't know how many months we've been doing this. But we, we cash app them every single week. It's, sometimes it's not very much. Sometimes it's a, we get blessed and so we send them a huge blessing. And uh, Pastor Hart is notorious for sending half of it back. I'm like, Pastor, he did that this week. We sent him uh, some, I can't remember how much it was. And he, he sent half of it back. And so I said, why are you doing this? And he said, because I get to. I said, but I'm trying to honor you as my father. He said, well, I'm trying to honor you as my son. I was like, oh, you get on my nerves, you know, in, a, in an honorable way, of course. Um, so we honor, we honor our mentors privately and publicly. Um, I, I asked them off and on, hey, what can I pray for you for? I remember a couple months ago, Bishop Pitts was going through uh, some things at their church there with some staff members that hurt him really deeply. And so my wife and I got on a plane. We went out there. You guys remember? We didn't ask him for anything. We'd, I wasn't trying to get him to mentor me in that season. I wasn't trying to get him to deposit anything in my life. We literally went out there just to put a smile on their face. That was it. Yeah. We loved on them. We walked with them. We bought, for, we bought food for them. We brought them gifts. We just wanted to get their mind off of that and become undistracted for a moment at the Aaron and hers that stopped lifting up their hands. And, um, and it was pretty cool. So we honor with our action. Um, what happens when the sons don't honor the father? Guys, this, this right here, what I'm about to show you, um, go ahead and open up to the book of, oh wait, no, we're not there yet. I'll just read them to you. What happens when the sons uh, honor their father? In, Gen- in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, 
It said that God is going, in the last days, God will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, or else, or in, the fa- in the hearts of the fathers to the children, or else a curse is going to come. So the, the message of, of, of this text from Malachi is the blessing will come when the hearts of the father are right with the children and the hearts of the children are right with the fathers. If that is a good, if it's good in that season, then a blessing is going to come. If it's not, then a curse is going to come. It's not like some spooky curse, but it's, it's hard as a father, I'll be honest with you. It's hard for me as a mentor to walk in the blessing and revelation and owning of God if I feel like one of y'all are off. It's super hard. And I, I, was, I was talking with Bishop Pitts about this and he reminded me about um, when, y'all remember when Joseph was taken into slavery and his daddy Jacob, his heart was burdened. He was mourning. He was broken. And all the way up through Joseph's life, he literally thought that his son was dead. And... Uh, and Joseph's half-brothers, half they kept lying to his daddy, saying he was dead. Well, when they found Joseph and they came back and told his dad, this is what's so crazy. All them years, decades had gone by. And, and it, there's proof, I'm going to show you here in a second, that Jacob was still broken about his son being dead. Because the Bible said when they told uh, Jacob that Joseph was alive, that his spirit, that's what it says in, in, in Genesis 45, 27, that his spirit returned to him and he revived. So for all them years, he thought his son was dead, disconnected, not in the mix, not in the family, not pushing 100%. When he found out that his son was there, was present, was around, was attentive, his spirit came back to him and he revived. Guys, when the hearts of the fathers and the children are merging together in a church, is one of the key elements for revival to break out because that way the man of God can stand up with steady hands. Remember I told you when the sons aren't there, their hands aren't steady. He can stand up in the pulpit with steady hands and preach the word with confidence and revival can come. That's a powerful concept um, that that uh, God has shown me. Um, I, I got on the phone and, and I asked Pastor Hart, I said, hey, Pastor, I, w- I would like to ask you a question. I said, how in what ways have I honored you through the years that I've known you? I've been knowing Pastor Hart since I was born. I mean, he, I, I came into the world in 1976. His uncle dedicated me in the church right after I was born. It was the first baby they ever dedicated in that church. And Pastor Hart's known me since then. I mean, I was a baby. And here I am, 44 years old, and he, we still rolling together, you know. And, uh, of course, a lot of things have transpired through those years. But I asked him, I said, how in my life have I honored you? And he started crying when I asked him this. Didn't he, babe? Because we were on speakerphone. He started crying. And he says, um, he said to me, he said, well, one of the ways was when you were on staff with me, you and I, our personalities are different. But when I would ask you to do something, you did it my way and got it done. He said, uh, you've been, you've always been loyal. You paid attention to my emotions. You picked up the hammer when you were here. I thought it was funny he said that because I don't think I've ever told him that story. He said, you picked up the hammer and you built Eagle's Nest with me. Um, when you were present, you were present. You're not here, but yet I still feel you present. That's what he said. Uh, you let me know that you're here for me. You let me cry. And he said that. And he's like, you let me cry. When I ask you for a favor, you get it done. You allow me to not worry about anything in life. He said that to me. And I'm, I'm three hours away from him. 
um, he said, you have my heart. So then I picked up the phone, like, hey, Bishop, what are ways that you feel like I've honored you? This, this is so powerful. He, he just helps me to, on some ways to, uh, to let me know that the way I think is okay with some things. He said, well, a true father will define honor as theirness. Theirness. And he said, one thing I know about you and Pastor Jillian is that I know that you're there. You're eight hours from me, but you're there. Um, he said, I know that you're for me, that you're never distant from me. You honor my name. You protect my name. You care for what I care about. You love what I love. My friends are your friends. You know my language. You show up for me and you show up with me. True sons, he said, lift, my, lift the burdens for their aging daddy. So he, he, gave, he gave to me an analogy. He said, I am, um, for my grandsons and, and grandkids, I buy them gold coins and silver coins. And I tell their parents, don't you do nothing with these coins. And the other day, Meredith asked him, Dad, why are, you, why are you giving the kids these coins for? He said, that way when they get older, they can take them coins, they can cash them coins in and send me on a cruise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> honor, honor. See, he's basically he's being silly, but he said, uh, true sons lift the burdens for their aging fathers. And uh, I think that's, I think everyone here does a great job with that. Okay, number five, sons walk in obedience to their fathers. Ephesians 6.1, I think it's funny, I've never read it this way, but I read it this way this time. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So you guys aren't kids, but you are children in this house. You are sons and daughters in this house. Um, true sons obey. True sons never exert their own authority over their father. They listen and they follow. 13 years as a senior pastor here at LifeGate Church, I've been a senior pastor undercover. I've been a senior pastor under leadership. Pastor Hart is still my, my covering. Bishop Michael Pitts is still my covering. I, I really lean on Pastor Jim Rayleigh um, and text him every once in a while for a little bit of advice. But as, as a grown man, full-time minister, 23 years I've been preaching the gospel full-time, I have walked in obedience to Pastor Hart. Um, sons then obey the fathers. I want you to go with me to 1 Kings. I want you to, read, I want you to see this story um, about Rehoboam here in the book of 1 Kings. And we're going to go to the 12th chapter. And I'm going to read, kind of, kind of jump around a little bit for the sake of time. But I'm going to start off by reading 1 Kings chapter number 12, verse 6 through 8. And here's what it says. Rehoboam consulted the elders. He went to mentors who had served his dad Solomon during his lifetime. And he asked them, how would you advise me to answer your people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice that the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. Drop down to verse 10. The young man... Who, the young men who had grown up with him replied, Tell these people who have said to you, Your fathers put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell those people, My little finger is thicker than my daddy's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, but I'm going to beat you with scorpions. In verse 13, The king answered the people harshly, Re rejecting the advice given to him by his mentors, his elders, his overseers. 
He followed the advice of the young men and said, My father made your yoke heavy, but I'm going to make your yoke heavier. My father beat you with whips, I'm going to beat you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people for his churn of events, uh, for his for this churn of events was not from the Lord. Verse 18, King Rehoboam sent out uh, Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor, but all Israel stoned him to death. King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. So Israel had been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. What happened? Rehoboam became the king. He went and he sought the advice of his mentors. They told him to do one thing, but he said, no, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm not going to obey leadership. So he listened to his peers, those who were on the other sons and daughters of the, of the house. And the Bible said that he listened to the peers instead of his mentor. And a civil, riot, a, civil, a civil war broke out, a riot broke out. And still to this day, there's division over this whole subject because of what King Rehoboam had done. I know as a spiritual son, if I don't listen to my fathers, all hell's going to break loose. When, 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 my, when my mentors give me advice, I put them in my life to give me advice. I've submitted to them. And so because I've submitted to them, I'm going to heed what they say. If they're wrong, that's on them. If they're right, that's on them. Amen, church. I just get to reap the blessings of being under. So real sons and daughters obey. Number, number six, uh, real sons and daughters copy. They're copycats. John 5 and verse 19 says this. The son can do nothing of himself, but does what the father does. Now, a son isn't exactly like his father. I mean, none of y'all could be like me because we're all wired totally different. I mean, you're a woman. I'm a man. So we're wired differently. You're not going to do it like I'm going to do it, right? So we're not, we're not talking about drinking the Kool-Aid around here. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but you should copy formats of. You should copy styles of. Every one of us in this room is anointed because we all have Mac computers. They're all formatted the same way. They, got different, they have different content on them. They have different uh, text. Y'all are taking notes, and I bet you 100% they're all different. Ain't not one of us got the same notes. Some of your notes are probably different than mine. They're all formatted different. They all, they're all going to sound different. They're all going to look different. But the formatting is the same way. Um, a son copies his father. He emulates him um, or her. We're using these words meaning mother, father, son, daughter. Copies their way. Jesus was content on doing what he saw the Father do. When I was a staff member at Eagles Nest Worship Center, full-time staff, I preached messages. I promise you, I preached messages that Pastor Hart preached. Because I knew in that setting, I was to copy him. He was the mentor of all these people that God had given Eagles Nest. They weren't my people, they were his people. Um, when, I, when I was a youth pastor, I had him come in every single quarter and preach to the young people because they weren't my young people. They needed to hear him and see him and feel him and, and go with his. We were totally different, but those were his kids. I wasn't working to build my youth ministry. I was working to build his youth ministry. I did what he did. I pushed his vision. I pushed his ideas. I was not a clone, but I was a fast follower. I wasn't a clone. I was a fast follower. God's not calling you guys to be clones here. He ain't calling you to be a clone of your pastor. He's calling you to be a fast follower. There's nothing more satisfying to a pastor than when you know somebody is following you, running with you, and supporting your arms in ministry. Because we hear so much of the other. We feel, we, I feel so much of the other. 
all pastors do, um, that it feels really good when you know a son and daughter's emulating you, running behind you, up under you with your arms lifted, running the race together so we can win the battle. Number seven. This is my last one here. A true sons are word carriers. They carry the words of their mentor. They say it like their mentor. I remember when I was a youth pastor there, I would, I would try to every single week. I know Pastor Joshua, you told me you were doing this too. I try to every single week as a youth pastor. You know, Pastor Hart always says, fill in the blank. I was a pastor the other day and he said to me, blah, 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 blah. I was, I would tell the kids, you know, the other, cause I wanted them to see the heart of servitude, that it was good for a son to serve their father. And I, I've mowed pastor's grass a lot. I would shovel his driveway almost every time it snowed. And he was, his wife told me the other day it was discouraging cause, uh, he doesn't feel that from someone in his church. Like I used to do, serve bend over backwards for him all the time because I loved him. I mean, it was an honor to get to do that. I was blessed to get to do that. I didn't ever feel like, Oh, I have to No, It was like a, I like what y'all say. I got to do it. I was like, get out of my way. Let me do it. This is so much fun. I get to do this. I didn't feel like it was a burden. If I did, I wouldn't have done it. Um, because again, then I would be fighting the war nuts. I was doing it to lift his hands up. And, um, so I, I paid, I paid very close attention to the words that he carried and I examined them. I looked for them. I wanted to repeat them. I wanted to, I wanted to be like his, what's that guy on, on, uh, is it repeat on uh, Sandlot? Or, yeah, 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 we would repeat everything everybody said. And, and, and I didn't, I didn't, obviously, it wasn't in an awkward way. If I would stand to greet the people in Pastor's stead and he was out of town, I remember one time he had to have surgery, immediate surgery, and it was during one of our conferences. And so he, the hosting came on me. And so when I stood, when I stood behind the microphone, it wasn't, I, I didn't, I didn't come out. Well, oh, so glad you're here at Eagles West Worship Center. No. Hey, pastor, once you know how glad he is here today and really wants to be here, he told me to tell you fill in the blank because I, I was, I was his spokesman. I was his representation uh, when he wasn't there. What an honorable thing that I was able to do. Um, when a son or daughter is void of saying something, they are generally on the verge of going rogue. I get nervous when sons and daughters get quiet. The word rogue means dishonest, scoundrel, and the adjective is savage like an elephant that's on the warpath. I don't know if you've ever seen an elephant that's on the warpath, but it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Uh, they don't care who you are. They're coming for you. They'll flip your car over everything else, you know, in Africa, they have these little safaris and if an elephant gets uncomfortable, it's going to attack, you know, they don't say nothing. They're not they doing that. They're just coming for you. True sons carry words. So for me, I, I carry words of my mentors. I mean, today you've heard me talk about them to make a perfect example. You know, you've heard me quote them. I've quoted them today, my mentors. It's very important for me as a son, something that I do on the regular. I was talking with Bishop Pitts last night before prayer um, for a good 20 minutes. Uh, and I text my wife. I said, hey, I might be a few minutes late because I'm not about to say, oh, I got to go, Bishop. I have another meeting to get to. It was like 7.01. Was, was, and then he, you know, he was finally, okay, I'm going to let you go. I got things I got to do. Yes, sir. Goodbye. And then I came upstairs. Um, and I, I personally, you know, I, I don't think it was that big of a deal. I think people wouldn't have cared, whatever. Um, but I don't, ever, I don't ever take my time with them for granted. 
I mean, Joshua, you've seen me probably more than anybody around uh, in close settings with Pastor Hart uh, specifically. Um, I don't ever make them feel uncomfortable. They're never calling me, are you okay? Uh, Because my words then, back to them, are words of life that they're needing to hear from me as a son. And, And those are seven signs, seven qualities, seven characteristics of true sons and daughters. And I think that's really going to help somebody that hears this, whether it's here, there, the podcast, around the world, whatever. I really believe this will help somebody. A, a lot of pastors don't elevate people in church um, because they don't trust them. They, they don't see them as being supportive. And not everybody can get close to a senior leader and handle their humanity. Because we are flawed, we are human beings, we all have feelings, we all don't process things right, we don't treat people right all the time. I'm talking about senior leaders here. Um, we, we don't say it right because we're flawed, we're not perfect like y'all. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't say it right all the time, we don't do it right, right all the time. And not everybody can handle that. A true son and daughter, an Aaron and a Her, can look at their father and say, I can handle you being human. I can handle, I can handle you knowing that you got stuff in you that ain't right. That, that you don't lead perfect, that you're not the John C. Maxwell of leadership, you know. And I always think of, I always think of uh, Noah when he got off the ark and his three sons. He had three types of sons. He had two that were loyal and one that was se- selfish and disloyal. Ham came in and exposed his dad's humanity. Shem and Jepheth covered his father's humanity. A real son knows what to say and knows how to handle his father. His father's what? When his father bears all. When his father exposes all. When his, father, when his father's humanity completely comes out. Uh, and, and knows, oh, that's just pastor. Don't worry about him. Oh, that's just him. Don't worry about it. But a ham spirit will come in and pit, pin, pinpoint, nitpick, expose, and eventually, biblically, uh, become cursed. Him and his children. So I encourage you, those of you that are watching, I don't like to tell our own kids to hear this because they're also uh, versed in this stuff. Be careful how you address your leadership. Be careful how you support them, how you honor them, the things you say, don't say, who you let talk to you about your leadership. Uh, because in the end, just like Moses, the fact of the matter, the bottom line is this, God calls one man to lead a church. Yeah. Well, it's not his church, you're wrong. It's Jesus' church and God puts offices in the church to be the ambassador in that house, to lead that house, so you're not right there. The true biblical definition of leadership is found in Ephesians chapter 5, when we talk about, or Ephesians chapter 4, about the five governing office gifts in the church. And God wants us all as sons and daughters to support that, because when it comes down to it, we're either the cause of their hands being steady, or we're the cause of them being filled with worry about their assignment. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this uh, message today, this podcast. I pray that it blesses somebody, it helps somebody. God, I pray that you would help us as sons and daughters, me included. Help us to elevate our leaders. Help us to support our leaders. Help us to keep their hands steady. And Lord, let us never be the cause of them worrying, walking in anxiety, being frustrated, vexed, or tense. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We bless our leaders, God. Bless Bishop Pitts. Bless Pastor Hart. Bless Pastor Jim Rayleigh, all those, you, all those you've connected us to. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.